This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by the Angie App and LL Flooring's Profiles Podcast. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here for you. We're here to help you take on the projects you want to get done around your house and create your dream home, create your forever home, create your perfect home, create your home that is comfortable, that is safe, that is secure, that is sound, that is beautiful. And if you need some help taking on those projects, or maybe you don't know where to start with a project, that's also what we do. Reach out to us with your questions at one eight 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 Money Pit. That's eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. We are happy to take those, and also you can simply post them at moneypit.com slash ask by clicking the blue microphone button. Coming up on today's show, you know, before I got behind this microphone, I spent twenty years as a home inspector, and after doing this for a long time. I used to tell my clients there were three kinds of houses, those that had a termite problem, those that have a termite problem, or those that will get a termite problem. (laughs) Now that it's spring, it's time to talk about those categories. We're going to have solutions for keeping those termites and their very costly damage away from your home coming up. All right. And coming up ahead also, are you ready to upgrade your interior design game for the season ahead? Well, we're ready to help with four DIY design trends to help you breathe new life into your home. And if you've got a painting project planned, there are five important things that you need to consider that are going to save you time and money before you start. We'll let you know what those are. But first, what project are you planning for the warmer weather ahead? Maybe you have a project or two in mind. Is it an indoor project, an outdoor project, thinking of a new outdoor hangout space, maybe putting in a pool, maybe some sort of a fun outdoor kitchen? Well, whatever it is, we want to help you make your best home ever. So give us a call so we can help you get those projects done right. Call us at one eight 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 Money Pit, or you can post your questions at moneypit.com slash ask. Just click the blue microphone button. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Sandy in Texas is on the line and needs some help with the carpet question. What's going on? Well, um, I had a Scentsy, one of those little things that uses hot wax, and my granddaughter knocked the, knocked the Scentsy over onto the carpet, and part of it splashed upon my Hendredon chair, which is upholstered. Okay. And I didn't haven't done anything yet because I don't know really Good. how to go about cleaning that. Well, the first thing you want to do, and this is, it's kind of an easy fix. You just have to make sure you haven't already scratched at it or rubbed it or anything. Take a brown paper bag and an iron, and you want to put the iron on a high setting without steam and put the paper bag over the wax and then iron, and the wax will melt, but then stick to the paper bag, and you'll be able to peel it right off. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, brown paper bag with a hot iron, not on steam. No steam. Just hot cotton and hold it on there for a few minutes, and it will pull it out. 
Yeah, you don't want to like sit it on there too long because you don't want to burn it through. Okay. Um, so you yeah, want to kind of just, you know, hold the brown paper bag, then put the iron on top and then shift it around, you know, moving to a clean part on the bag as you get more of the wax onto the bag. This way you're not re-spreading the wax. So the bag kind of acts as like the absorbing medium here. It's like That's like the paper towel, right? Less than exactly. the wax soaks into it. Okay, got it. Great trick. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Sandy. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Philip on the line who needs some help installing a bathroom. What are you working on? Well, we have an unusual house. It's all concrete, poured concrete uh, back in the 80s. So all of the walls in the upper and lower are concrete. Now, we have one bathroom in this house. However, we want to install a small half bath in the bedroom right next to the bathroom that's in the basement now. So we have a concrete wall between the two. We have concrete floors uh, where the toilet and uh, and the, uh, the bathtub is installed now. Between the bathtub... And the other wall, all the plumbing is in there. That's not concrete. That is uh, uh, framed in. So that has we have access to that in the room next door. But the question is, is we want to install another bathroom, a half bath, so we want a toilet and a sink. The sink is no problem, as because what I just said about the uh, plumbing being roughed in there. But uh, boy, how do um, we really want to do this? So it's going to take some. I assume some uh, demolition work to get down in into that. So what room do you want the half bath to be in? Is it going to be on the same level as the existing bathrooms? That is correct. It's in the lower level. It's basically the same as, uh, you know, you could just say it's a basement. The only difference is, is that the wall connect between the bath that is there now and the bedroom right next door, which where we want the half bath, is a concrete wall. Okay, so you're worried about getting through the wall that separates these two bath spaces. So you have concrete below, and then you have a concrete dividing wall. What about the ceiling? Is that tr- typical wood construction? It is. So, okay. Well, there's two ways to do this. Number one, yes, you could dig out the floor and uh, break that area out, try to find the uh, intersection with the waste pipe on the other side of that wall. Or you could use um, what's called a lift pump. So there are toilets out there that have pumps that are built into them that when you flush them and you can uh, spill the uh, water waste from the sink into this as well, it essentially activates a pump, it grinds the waste, it runs it up through a pipe, uh, and then it would go up into the ceiling and then cut across to the waistline and be dropped down from there. So that's be less destructive. The the mechanism is uh, you know a little more complicated, perhaps a little louder than a typical a toilet flush, but they work very very reliably, and they're very often used in basement bathroom situations where the toilet position is below the main waistline. Well, no, the main waistline since. Since the, the only bath is is in the lower level, right next to where I want the half bath to be. So the waistline is in the floor, and it runs out to the south through and right out, and it goes right down into the sewer line outside. So I don't – there's no uh, – it's it's the same level, uh, so I would really like to hook up to the existing line that is right next to the uh, half path that I want to put in. Yep. So I got two words for you, jackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can break up that floor and connect with that line, or like I said, you can go up over the wall and drop into the vent pipe, which will 
uh, no doubt be in that same space. And then, of course, you know, eight feet below that connects with the waistline. So those are your options. I hope one of those works for you. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Sherry in Iowa, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? been living in my house for like 20 years. And the house is probably 50 years old. Is it worthwhile to have the air ducts or the furnace ducts cleaned? Unless you're having a problem. I mean, what most people drop the ball is that they don't replace their filters soon enough. And so if you've not done that, if you've not replaced your filter recently, then that would be the first step. But I don't think you necessarily have to get your ducts clean. There's so such a wide variety of quality when it comes to air filters for heating and cooling systems. And I would just tell you to, to invest in a very good quality filter and make sure you change that on a regular basis. The furnace guy comes uh, in the spring and the fall, and he, he changes it then. Yeah, but that's not enough. Depending on the type of filter you have, I mean, you probably are going to be changing that filter at least every couple, couple of months. So probably at least the minimum four times a year and, and probably maybe even more frequently than that. And the other part of this is to making sure you use the exact right size filter and that it's uh, situated properly in the ducts because if not, air and dust is going to go around it. But if you put the right kind of filter in your system, the air is going to be cleaner as a result. Okay, thank you. Well, in the 20 years I spent as a professional home inspector, I often told my clients there were three kinds of houses. Those that had termite problems, those that have a termite problem, and those that will probably get, yes, you guessed it, a termite problem. But if you take the right steps now to keep those termites away, there's a good chance you can keep your house off the termite menu. Yeah, that's right. And this is the time of year to do it. Now, termites are going to nest in soil all winter, but come springtime, they're busting out in search of some new food. And your home's walls, well, that's their favorite meal. And guess what? They're super hungry. Absolutely. But if you want to keep those termites from chowing down on your house, there's a few things you can do. First, for starters, Moisture and wood are termites' favorite delicacies, so keep those stacks of firewood or mulch away from your exterior walls. Leslie, I'd find this all the time when I was inspecting houses. Folks had stacks of firewood right up against the siding. Vinyl siding doesn't matter. Wood siding, anything. And then I would sort of peel off a couple of logs, looking down sort of towards the bottom of the pile because that's where they would come up. And sure enough, the termites were hard at work destroying that firewood pile and who knows what else inside your house at the same time. 
I mean, it's such a disaster, and it's such an easy fix, too. Now, another one, keeping your gutters clear. Now, termites love those overflowing gutters, so keep them clean. Keep them pointed away from your house so that the runoff is going to wash those bugs further away from the foundation and not directly towards it. Now, if your porch or crawl space is dirt-filled, keep an eye out for signs of the bugs. For example, if you see piles of discarded wings or you see cracked or bubbling paint or mud tunnels, these are little tubes made of sand that the termites construct on the top of the foundation to keep them sort of protected from the light and to keep them moist. Those are things that are signs of active termite infestations. You can also check your basement walls, your crawl space walls inside, especially that area between the wood framing and the walls itself. If you see these sand-colored tubes, again, those are the super highways for termites. That's how they get back and forth between the soil and the house and definitely time to call in a pest pro for a professional treatment. Yeah, and if you have to call one, treatments today are really effective because the termites don't know that they're there and so they're going to go back and forth through the soil. They're going to pick up these treatment chemicals. They're going to bring them back to the termites nest and then that takes care of it once and for all and they don't even realize what's happening until it's too late. (laughs) I don't even know if they get it then, but the truth is you're not going to have an ongoing termite problem. The systems today are very, very effective, and they do the job of keeping your house protected. Heading over to Illinois, where Ron's got some stuff going on at his money pit. Tell us what's happening. Thinking about building, and I'm looking at exterior walls, and my question is, should I consider 2x6 or 2x4? And I'm getting different opinions and so i'm kind of wanting to see what you guys think so the reason that you would go with a two by six is so you can have more insulation right well supposedly yes but you could also have more insulation if you used spray foam versus fiberglass because spray foam has a much higher r value than fiberglass so you could use a two by four wall with uh, spray foam in those walls instead and have a much better insulation package when you're all done and probably spend less on the lumber. What would you think about the 2 by 4 with the one-inch styrofoam sheeting on the outside with fiberglass inside and then your drywall? Yeah, well, you can do that. I mean, all the insulation you add is going to help, but there's just nothing better than spray foam when it comes to both insulating and air sealing. What about the cost on something like that? It's a little more than fiberglass, but the thing is, it's a much more efficient system. It's going to save you more money over the, over the long run because it goes on really, really thin when they spray it, and then it expands. It has like a 100, 100 to 1 expansion ratio, so it swells up, and it, and it basically seals all of the gaps. Go to moneypit.com and go to, under Listen and Watch, there's a section on books and guides, and there's a free download there that we wrote some time ago on all the different ways to insulate a wall, and there's a lot of information on spray foam in that, including some pictures of my own house when we uh, applied spray foam to a very old house and just been thrilled with it, just very, very happy with it. Yeah, you've been saving a a ton of money. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. I'll do that. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Diane in Minnesota has got a steamy bathroom. Tell us what's going on. Yes, the exhaust fan. It just does not seem to uh, take the steam out of the bathroom at all. It just doesn't work for some reason. Well, where is the exhaust fan mounted? It's on the ceiling and goes into an attic. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's in the ceiling. Um, I just live in an apartment, so I'm not exactly sure where it goes. But uh, Okay, well, see, that would be a good place to start <laughs> because you want to make sure when you turn on an exhaust fan that you can see it actually exhaust somewhere. And generally, it, it's going to be a, a vent outside the building somewhere, and you can turn on the exhaust fan and see that vent open. 
So you need to figure out, or if it's an apartment, you need to have a, a super figure out where it's exhausting because it could be obstructed, it could be crushed, it could be blocked, it could be terminated. There could be a lot of things wrong with it. And the other thing that you might want to think about, and, and you may or may not want to do this because it's an apartment and not a condominium that you own, but there's a different type of exhaust fan uh, that's out now. Brone and Newtone make it, same company. It's called Ultra. And what's cool about it is it has a moisture-sensing switch built into it, a humidistat, so it runs whenever the room gets moist. So you can kind of set it and forget it, and you take a shower, it'll just stay on until all the moisture is evacuated out of the room and then go off again. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Mike in Texas, you're next up on the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Yes, ma'am. I had a question about my water heater. Number one, I try to drain it periodically, you know, and it takes forever to drain that thing. And I thought I'd heard a year or so ago on the show, there's a way that you can pour something through your water heater. It's electric to help clean that stuff out. I've got really hard water uh, where we live out here in West Texas, and it, I mean, it's extremely hard. Right. Just about five years old. And I've already twice now I've had replaced the 
lower heating the element the coil. Yeah, yeah, and I, I always replace both of them. Do you have a water softener? No. Uh, well, I mean, look that that's your first that's your first step <laughs> right there. Money wise, this is not an option right at this yeah. time. So there's a couple of different kinds of water softeners. You know, the salt based solutions where you have to keep uh, failing with salt is, is is one type. But there's also an electronic water softener. Which what it does is it's like it sort of electronically is a coil that wraps around your main water pipe and it charges the hard uh-huh. water particles and by charging them it kind of think of them it's not really magnetizing but it's like when you have magnets and they're all the same polarity and they repel each other so when it charges these particles it does it forces them to not stick together they bounce off each other and because they don't stick together they don't clump so it's a less expensive way of getting a water softener. So, so that's an option. Uh, in terms of the water heater itself, you said it takes a long time to, dr- to, to drain. When you do drain it, do you open up the pressure relief valve or, or do you just open the bottom up? Well, I, I didn't at first, but, you know, then I said, well, I, I need to go ahead and release this valve. Because you got to let air in is what I'm right. saying. Yeah. Yes. you got to let air in. That's going to speed it up. So yeah. once the water gets past the height of the, of the valve, and, of course, you got the power off and it's cooled down, I hope, Yes. Uh, and you open that pressure relief valve up, then the water will come out faster. But the problem with some of those valves is, once you open them, sometimes they don't completely shut, and you end up having to replace them. You know, the, right. the hard water material gets kind of jammed up in the mechanism. And I, I've had those where I've had to pop them open and close a few times to get them to kind of reseat um, properly. But I would say that, you know, the best thing for you to do is to try to, uh, even if you have to save up for it, is use one of the, even electronic water softener to try to get some of those particles to not stick together. Um, and, uh, and, and then, you know, just continue to empty the water heater out now and again to try to release some of the buildup sediment buildup that's at the bottom. You know, it shouldn't really affect efficiency because that sediment's going to be at the bottom. Uh, when it, when you have a gas water heater and the sediment's at the bottom, it actually acts like as an insulator because the heat's underneath it. But because your coils are embedded up higher in the water heater, it probably won't affect efficiency. I switched over to electric. I, you know, I'm on propane down here, and I had a, a gas heater, and I was just having more trouble. In. Yeah, well, I think you know what the solution is, and just trying to get to the bottom of the hard water. And, and unfortunately, your appliances are going to continue to misbehave on, okay. until that's taken care of. They just don't work well with all that sediment in the water. Okay. So I wish I had better news for you, Mike, but that's what you're up against. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. We're going to take on a big electrical project. Well, not terribly big, but one that I've been sort of putting off on a house that we have. The garage for this house, detached garage, has an old fuse panel. And while I made sure the fuses were correctly sized, it is sort of complicated to find anything when you're looking for it. For example, there's a light on the outside of the garage, and it got turned on. And I'm like, I don't know how that happened. So I go in the garage, and I am turning off every switch and checking the light. And not, it's, it won't go off. It just won't go off. So then I turn off the panel. Still won't go off. I'm like, aha, this has to be coming from the main house. But where? So I start looking around the normal places, which would be like by the back door, right? That's where me, you put a switch like that, thinking that, yeah, I'm going to just go to the back door and turn on the switch to the garage light, and then I can walk outside. Nope, not so much. You know where I found it? On the opposite side of the house, on the front porch. Really? How that made any sense whatsoever, I don't know. Uh, it was a complete lucky find when I found it because I'd given up. Somehow they ran the wire through the house, I guess through the basement, through a crawl space, and then they put it in the front wall near the front door. So, you know, sometimes these projects don't go as planned, and they get complicated. But in this case, it was just the one last straw that broke the camel's back to convince me that it was time to redo all that wiring. Because I'm kind of uncomfortable with the fact that that wiring is running underground in a house that's like 50-something years old. It just doesn't feel good. So we're going to fix it. That's my next spring project. That's kind of a big 
project, and I think you um, can tackle it, but please do it safely. Well, if you've got a spring project in mind, we'll help you make sure you get it done safely when you reach out to us at moneypit.com slash ask. Debbie in Louisiana's on the line and has a roofing question. How can we help you today? We're getting ready to put a new roof on our home, and we're going back and forth between a regular roof and a metal roof. And I'm finding the price is double for a metal roof. In the long run, am I going to recoup my money out of that if I go to sale? Yeah, that's a great question. So how long do you see yourself living in this house? Probably minimum 10 years. Okay. So from a longevity perspective, you know, the metal roof is pretty much a a once in a lifetime kind of a roof. If it's done right, you'll never have to to re-roof it again. But then again, if you're going to only be in that house for 10 years, your roof is going to be just fine, even if you were to use asphalt shingles. Does it add value to the house? I think it definitely makes your house easier to sell compared to one that doesn't have a metal roof because it is a much more durable roof. So it's kind of a nice feature, but whether you'll get a dollar for dollar replacement for that is highly unlikely. So what you get out of it is a more durable roof. It will protect the house more. Um, but I don't think you're going to get a hundred percent of that money back when it comes time to sell. And if you're only going to be there for 10 years, which is about half the life of an asphalt shingle roof, it may not make economic sense for you to spend the extra money on the, on the metal roof. Okay, does it make much of a difference on energy consumption? Um, possibly. The new metal roofs have a low-E paint finish on them, so what happens is they'll reflect some of the heat, which is important down in Louisiana, off of that roof and make it a little bit less expensive for you to cool the house. But then again, lighter roof shingles can do some of the same thing. We're talking a difference between $8,000 and... $16,000. Yeah, no, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think it's probably worth every penny. It's just, um, it's just, I mean, it may not be worth it to you because you're not going to be there more than 10 or so. I do appreciate it very much. You're welcome, Debbie. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you. Well, you guys are ready to upgrade your interior design game for the season ahead. You know, keeping up with the ever changing world of interior design can be overwhelming, which is why we've handpicked four DIY design trends to help you breathe life into your new home. Let me be more specific. Leslie picked four (laughs) DIY design trends because I'm not sure you would want my design trends. So, Leslie, where do we start? Well, first of all, let's talk about lighting. Now, brighter is better. Now, creating a cozy and inviting atmosphere at home is definitely essential, and natural lighting plays a vital role in achieving this. But what if you don't have those large windows or exposure to natural sunlight? Well, in 2023, the focus is all about chandeliers and lighting and lamps. Now, there's no wrong way to choose a pendant, but oversized and noticeable ones will be a big trend for the upcoming seasons. So choose a larger chandelier could seem intimidating, but it's the right time. Make that leap of faith and add a statement piece to your home. All right, next up, let's talk about multifunctionality. That's a key. Going over the days, you know, when homes were just a place to eat and sleep and chill out. But in 2023, having multifunctional homes, that's definitely the way to go. So we're talking about additions like movie and game rooms, gyms, saunas, of course, home offices. These are all going to be popular add-ons. The trend reflects pretty much the changing lifestyle and the needs of homeowners who really want to maximize their functionality of their homes and make them more attractive, make them more comfortable, make them prettier spaces in which to spend more time. 
Yeah, and I think that goes along with choosing the colors for the home, too, as well. So if you're repainting any rooms in the house, you want to pick colors that, of course, speak to you and ones that you really love. But if you're planning to repaint your walls, you want to opt for natural colors that kind of embrace these calming vibes or maybe even earth tones. But if you want to add a pop of color, try to stick to the more mellower tones of those colors. You know, tranquil blues and greens, softer pinks and lavenders, because that's going to give you the touch of that color, but kind of give you a more elegant form of that tone as well. And then you can incorporate softer golder tones and kind of still bring in that metallic, but it gives you a chance to bring in the color, but kind of in that muted way that's going to work with that multifunction purpose of the room as well. So it kind of goes with everything, but still gives you that color and that pop of color vibe that you're looking for, but will still work with everything that you're trying to achieve in that same space. Another thing to think about is how you might bring nature inside. This trend's been around for a while, but this year it's going to become more popular than ever. So we're talking about embracing indoor gardening, plants, earthy pieces, that sort of thing that will really help transform your home into more of a sanctuary that soothes the senses and brings everything in from nature. You follow tips like this and you'll be totally ready to transform your home into a very stylish and functional space for all the seasons ahead. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bonnie in Maryland's on the line is having an issue at her home. What's going on? My husband uh, has rental property, and one of the tenants decided to, to destroy the property on the way out and poured uh, wet cement into the drains. And so I just want to know what um, can be done and the cost of it and things like that in terms of the repairs, Um because maybe it's just not even worth uh, trying to find another tenant after doing a bunch of work that costs a bunch of money. Wow, that's awful. Boy, what a jerk to do something like that. It's just it's just terrible. You know, it seems to me, though, that that's a crime. I mean, that's basically vandalism. And as such, uh, not only can you first, of course, press criminal charges, but secondly, it seems like that should be something that's call, that's covered by your homeowner's insurance. Have you tried speaking with your insurance company about this? You know, it was just something that my husband uh, had, um, you know, talked to me about. It's not really anything that um, is really my business. I'm not sure. Like, Well, you, you should call your insurance agent and you should talk with them about that because this is not, we're not talking about wear and tear, like, oh, you got to paint the walls because yeah. you have somebody living there. This is damage. This is like some, this is like having an arsonist burn your house down. And that's, those kinds of crimes are covered by the insurance. That's one of the reasons you have mm-hmm. insurance. So, uh, gosh, we yeah. pay so much money for that. So I would definitely, uh, make that, uh, make that claim. It, now, in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, whether, what, how much work this is to fix, I mean, I guess it kind of depends. Um, I'm guessing since you're in, you're in, in uh, Maryland, uh, is this house, uh, the bathroom's on the first floor, second floor? Uh, what's underneath the plumbing? Does it go into a it's slab? A trailer. 
Okay. It's all a right. Trailer, so then, so, so yeah, then, like I all right. Said, yeah. So then you have you full you have full access above and below. So you're mm-hmm. probably gonna you're probably gonna have to just cut out those pipes. It's all gonna sort of hang down the bottom of the pipe. So you're just gonna have to find out where it ends and cut it out. But uh, but again, I would I would not uh, hesitate to file a criminal complaint and also to file a claim with my insurance company or at least speak to my agent about that part. Awesome. Thank you. Well, if you're getting ready to paint, there are a few things that you need to think about besides deciding on a color, including how that color will look in different lighting, how much paint you need, and what supplies to use. First of all, you're going to want to measure the room to figure out how much paint you need. Now, you can use an online paint calculator and simply enter the height and length of each wall and the number of doors and windows, and then that calculator will tell you how many gallons you're going to need to buy. Now, if you found a color that you like, bring home a paint chip as well as a small sample jar of paint. The paint colors today are generally available in very small jars that you can apply them to your wall and kind of watch them throughout the day because here's why it's important. Lighting, as it changes, is going to change how that paint looks to you. And then when you turn on lamps at night, you'll have another color scheme. So if you paint a small area, you can see how you like it under various conditions. The other thing to be aware of is texture. The texture of the wall can affect the paint's color. So if you're painting over plaster, textured surfaces, wood paneling, or any kind of like detailed molding, be sure to paint a sample directly onto those surfaces as well to see how they reflect the light. Now, after you've settled on the color, you do need to decide what paint finish to get. Now, eggshell or satin finishes will work well on most interior walls, and semi-gloss is most often used on baseboards and trim. Now, glossy finishes, while they're more durable and easier to clean, they will show dirt more. Now, if you're painting a light color over a darker one, it's usually a good idea to use primer as your first coat to cover that original color. And primer is also helpful if you're painting cabinets or furniture because it helps adhere the paint to the surface. Yeah, it's really what makes paint stick, that primer. And finally, remember that high-quality tools, we're talking about brushes, rollers, really important. If you go cheap on these, you're going to find that the rollers are going to lose their bristles, they're going to fuzz up, they're going to leave obvious brush strokes in the cheap brushes. So invest in good painting tools before you start painting and clean them properly after you're done so you can use them again for future projects. And, of course, the best part about painting something is that if you mess up, or change your mind, you can always repaint, right? What comes after paint? Repaint. (laughs) Hopefully not immediately, but you do have that option, so it's worth considering. Jen in Seattle wrote in saying, I'm going to paint my daughter's room. My husband wants to use non-toxic paint. Is it worth the price difference, and what's the problem with traditional paint? Well, if it's a little more expensive, I think it's a good idea. I mean, most traditional paints have VOCs, volatile organic compounds like benzene and formaldehyde, which can potentially be released into the air even for some time after they dry. Now that there's a lot of VOC-free paints that are top quality and look great and last a long time, there's no reason not to use them. I mean, it definitely will give you peace of mind and is the way to go. Well, do you guys love displaying photos in your home but find that uh, getting the frames just right, getting the photos to look right once they're in the frames never goes smoothly? Well, Leslie has tips on how to make those images a decor element in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, you're really good at this. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Well, you know, one of the greatest ways to make a space your own is to hang pictures that mean something to you and your family. 
But if you visited a frame shop lately to check on the price, you know that it can be very expensive. So instead, you can buy some inexpensive frames just about anywhere and then customize the mats. And it's a lot easier than you think. You do just need some heavy-duty paper in any color that complements the picture. And then what you do is you cut the outside of the paper to match the dimensions of the inside of the frame. Then with an X-Acto knife or an actual mat cutter, you cut a square or rectangle, you know, big enough to display how much of that picture that you want showing. Now, here is the trick. You get non-acid tape and tape only one side of the picture to the mat. Taping more than one side is going to cause it to not lay that straight or it could cause the image to wrinkle. And then now you're matting a picture like a pro. The other thing you can do, and this is when you start to get a little fancier, is you can layer different colors of paper. You can do a larger white mat and then just inside of that before you get to the picture, do a little layer of like a silver mat. You can do a thicker sort of art card or thicker board and then do a thinner, so you know, something. You can get more creative right. to add a little bit of color, a little bit of tone, a little bit of depth, but you don't have to go crazy. You can just use the white. You can just use an egg crew. Anything, everything, or I should say everything, everywhere, all at once, since it seems to be that movie's <laughs> year. Whatever you want to do. But truly, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be crazy. I will tell you when using an X-Acto blade or a matte knife, even seasoned pros like myself, who currently has a Band-Aid on her left-hand index finger or pointer <laughs> finger, they're sharp, guys. Be careful. It does. Um, it happens. <laughs> it happens. But it, it's not a difficult project. You just need to make sure that you're cutting straight, you're measuring, you're taking the time to cut correctly and evenly and do the job well. It looks great when your photos all are sort of along the the same theme. Maybe they're all from different ski trips. Maybe they're all from beach vacations. Maybe they're all family trips, but they're all black and white so that they're all kind of themed together. It works great when you kind of, you know, match them in a way, even if they're all mismatched. But it's a fun project, and you can do it yourself. It doesn't have to be expensive. So definitely something you can do and have fun with. And remember, when you're mapping it out on the wall, you don't have to start hanging things up and kind of testing it out. You can cut out the shapes and sizes of all your frames with little pieces of paper and just kind of tape them up on the wall and you know move them around until you're happy with it, and then actually hang the pictures. So mess around with it, have fun, and you will create a beautiful gallery. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We're just about out of time, but coming up on the next edition of the Money Pit, if you're planning to build a deck project to expand your outdoor living space, you might be considering what kind of material to use. Wood, what kind of wood, composite. You know, there's a lot of choices out there, PVC. So we're going to walk you through the pros and the cons of decking choices on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.